Okay, let's begin. Parshas Va'era, Tafshin Pei, 5780, as we get into the Makos, as we get into the, not only the beginning of the Gullus, we spoke last week about the roots of Geula are also uh, planted already, but really the Geula, the first seven Makos uh, that take place in our, uh, our Parsha, and we start off with the beginning. Start off with the beginning and the first, the beginning of the Rashi in the parasha. By Dabra Kim Moshe, when we last met, it was in the middle of a conversation. Not so often do, do, do we have a split ups of parshios in the middle of a conversation. We have it at the end of Mikates and by Yigash. That's the middle of a conversation. That's the cliffhanger. Uh, this wasn't a cliffhanger, but it was still somewhat of a conversation where Moshe Rabbeinu complained and said, why is this? It's gotten worse. I didn't want to go in the first place. You made me go. I told you. And Kodesh Baruch Hu says, Atosira, the end of last week's parsha. you will see what happens to Paro, but you know you won't see after that, as Chazal say in the, uh, the Rashi. But Kodesh Baruch Hu then continues, Vayomer lo kimel Moshe, Vayomer elav ani Hashem. Hashem speaks to Moshe, uh, does not say exactly what he said before it says Vayomer, as a Rashi picks up, and also we're not going to focus on that. Vayomer elav ani Hashem. And he says, I am Hashem. What exactly is being referred to here? So Rashi tells us, well, let's do the next passage first. I appeared to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov with Kel Shakai. But by name Yudke Vavke, I did not make known to them. So these first two Psukim have many names of Hashem in them. Chazal already pick up on it. Elohim, Yudke Vavke, Kel Shakai. Right there. Two Psukim, four names. How was the uh, hierarchy of the names in Halacha, in Ashkafa, what do they symbolize? That's not for now, but we'll do what the Chazal pick up on here that Rashi quotes, that Kodesh Baruch was emphasizing to Moshe Rabbeinu the difference between the Avos, how he appeared to the Avos, and how he appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu. Rashi tells us, I didn't make myself known in my ultimate essence. I started, but I didn't finish. So there's something different. There's a difference between uh, how I appeared to you and how I appeared to them. But if we look back at the Rashi at the end of last week's parsha that I just referred to before, also Hashem picks up on a difference between Moshe and the Avos, not just in terms of how Hashem appears to them, but how they acted towards Him. Right? If you remember the end of last week's parsha, Atasireh, Hashem says, "You will see Hirharta Almidosai. You questioned my actions, my behavior. Lo Kavram, you said, "What's going on here, Kodesh Baruch I can't believe this. It's gotten worse." I promised him children, and then I said, kill your child. He didn't ask anything. He didn't say, what's going on here? It's gotten worse. And yet you, you ask. So this is what is going to occur. And many pick up on uh, the behavior of Moshe. Is this really a, so, somewhat so negative to Moshe Rabbeinu? He shouldn't have questioned how Avram Avinu did question. So some say the difference is, that we mentioned this in the past, Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't asking for his, uh, himself. Avram Avinu said, didn't say anything, but there was about him. Hashem, you promised me. Okay, when it comes to yourself, you know, accept the will of God. But Moshe is for Am Yisrael. 
He's not about himself. He's like, I told you, don't make it worse for them. Any great leader would ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu and dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why, why did it get worse? So that's one difference that's mentioned by the Mepharshim. But the Lubavitcher Rebbe, here in source number one, today was the Balatanya's yard site. So that was the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, now according to the seventh Lubavitcher Rebbe. But the, uh, here is quoted in the Gutnik Chumash. He quotes that maybe this reflects different midos of Moshe and the Avos. Not as a negative, but just different. Moshe served that Kaddish Baruch Hu primarily through intellect. Says the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Moshe Rabbeinu's ultimate connection to the Kaddish Baruch Hu was Torah's Moshe. Was 40 days and 40 nights getting the Torah Shabbat Peh, being the vehicle of Torah, Torah Shabbat Saf, Torah Shabbat Peh, everything. Torah first and foremost is about the mind. It's about the understanding the Dvar Hashem. Lil Mot Lasos. Lil Mot to understand Lishma, understanding the Ratzon Hashem. Moshe embodied and symbolized that connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through our mind. Obviously, he was connected emotionally and psychologically as well. But the essence of Moshe had to be through the mind and intellect. And says Lubavitch Rebbe, that's why Moshe questioned. Because he was using his mind. And that's his connection. What his connection symbolizes for us is through the mind. Only Moshe, whose focus was intellectual, demanded to know. Lama the Avos, yeah, we, we can't say Avram wasn't connected intellectually. He, he discovered HaKadosh Baruch Hu through his intellect. But once that connection existed, so how was his relationship manifest? Once Avram obviously you know, decided and uh, figured out and uncovered, but we pointed out also in past years, in our Shirim and Hashem Lech Lecha, the Torah does not say explicitly how Hashem came to how Avram came to recognition of Hashem. He came to his own recognition, but it doesn't say that, because that's not, that's not the focus of what we should be thinking about, because every Jew comes to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in different ways. But once we're connected, Moshe Rabbeinu represents the intellectual intense connection. Avram Yitzchak Yaakov represents other types of connections, emotional uh, and the like. In his words, since the primary emphasis of the Avos' divine service was not intellectual, they never found a need to question God or challenge him for an explanation of his actions. Moshe's question was not inappropriate. An inability to understand God's actions would have weakened Moshe's intellectual bond with his maker. Moshe had to understand. Remember that, I think we quoted it recently even, the Ritva and Erev in Daphne Gimel quotes the Rabbani Tsarfas, quotes the French rabbis, on the pus, on the phrase, Elo 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 Chaim. Right? That's the Bosco that goes out from Shemayim. Erevin Yud Gimel. So on that, the, the, the Ritva, one of the Spanish rabbis, quotes the French rabbis. Fascinating. Dafka and that sugya. That Moshe Rabbeinu asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what does that mean? Elo 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 Chaim. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, I'm giving you 49 reasons to be Seitami, 49 reasons to Seitar, and figure it out. And Moshe says, what does that mean? And Hashem says, it's up to the Chachmei Amasor in every door to decide. But what's reflected by that, by that exchange? It's about understanding. Moshe made a question. I need to understand that I'm giving the Torah over. Okay, there are halacha Moshe Misinais. Is there any svara? Maybe Moshe knew a svara. If Shlomo Melech knew everything except Paraduma, so all the halacha Moshe Misinais l'chara also, I mean, there are chukim for us. But Moshe had to understand, and that's why he questioned, because that's what he was about. So Moshe asked Hashem, why have you mistreated his people? Not as a challenge, but rather an attempt to come closer to HaKadosh Baruch What does Hashem answer? You're different, Avos and you. 
With my name, Hashem, Havaya, I did not become known to them. Yudke Vavke, Ha Yehovah That transcends all limitations. God was replying to Moshe, do not serve me with intellect alone. Temper your intellect with emotion and faith so you serve me without limitation. We, as Am Yisrael, who had our Avos, Avram Yisrael and Yaakov, and Moshe as our Rabbeinu, we have to try to learn and, and become accustomed and channel and make our religious personality both emotional, Avram Yisrael and Yaakov, intellectual, Moshe Rabbeinu, but that's why it's different. It's not such a negative, but it's just about, it reflects what he was about. Okay, and we continue. And the Torah tells us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling Moshe Rabbeinu, Avram Yisrael and Yaakov, I will be make him the bris. Hashem says, I will fulfill my bris. I've heard them crying out. I've heard their na'aka. And vo'ezkar esbrisi, I will remember, I remember. They're the bris that I made with the avos. Lachain. And here we go. Pasik vav. The dalal l'shonos of Geula. Emar levnei Yisrael. Ani Hashem. V'otzezi eschem mitachasilos Mitzrayim. I told to b'nei Yisrael. This is what I'm going to do. I will take you out from the sivlos. V'itzalti eschem me'avodasam. V'galti eschem b'zeron atuyi. V'shatav g'dolim. V'lakakti eschem l'ilam. Etc. So many pick up on Pesach time. But also in Parshas Va'era. Uh, the message of the dalal l'shonos of Geula. Or... More specifically, the way that the Yerushalmi has it, Dalad Geulos, the four redemptions, which many Mepharshim pick up on, that really these aren't four synonyms, synonymous phrases, that I'm going to take you out, I'm going to redeem you, and I'm going to save you. No, it's four separate ideas. Four separate ideas. Again, I think we've said similar ideas, but this year we'll see it through Rav Schlesinger and the Eilah Hadvar. The war, according to many Mepharshim, even based on roots in Chazal, a double shibud in Mitzrayim, as we describe extricating ourselves from the shibud here. Shibud aguf v'shibud anefesh. There was a physical bondage, physical labor, backbreaking, and spiritual. We were spiritually in Gullus. We spoke last week. We cried out because we felt so disconnected. It was double. But says the Eilah Hadvarim, within each one, it was also double. And we're going to focus on the Shibud Haruach, Hanefesh, line 9. Ulam nira lahosif kan, shegam b'shibud haruach, ha'yishnei sugim shal shibud. Even the spiritual bondage that we were in took on two parts, two aspects. Ha'yacharu totzah shal shibud aguf. The first type of shibud haruach, shibud hanefesh, is a result of the Shibra Guf that we were in, Klomar, If I'm back-breaking labor for 19 hours a day, and then I come back, I just collapse. I'm going to think about Ruchnius. There's no time. There's no energy. I just can't. So, number one, the reason that we had Shibra Nefesh was because we had Shibra Guf. So you can't feel a Shibra Guf. You can't you don't have time to, to focus on spirituality. But of course, there was a second idea of the spiritual bondage. There was an infectious, detrimental, dangerous 
atmosphere in Mitzrayim. Ervas Haaretz, the Torah tells it. Sviva Shashbasa Harsanit, its destructive influence. Al Nefesh Adam, Ubin Matzav Kazeh, besides the physical bondage that we can't think, but the spiritual atmosphere which Mitzrayim was. That, EF Shalafnosis Amoach, Vesale Lakdusha Vatara. It's impossible to think otherwise. And he says, if you look closely at these psukim that we just read, and these phrases, it's hinted to and alluded to in these psukim. This double bondage within the Shibra Nefesh. The first two languages of Geula, Lashonos, Medabros Rachel Shibra Guf. What does it say? Hosezi Eschem Itachas, Sivlos, backbreaking labor, Mitzrayim. Vitsalti Eschem, Mehavodasam, servitude. The second two are more spiritual than nature. Geula has a more spiritual connotation to it. So we have the four. But the two, he explains, are really one is an outgrowth of the Shibra Guf, and one is just the environment itself. And he continues and says, 27, We were so low. We were one more extra seconds. We know the Rabbim says this also. We would not have been recognizable as Zerah, Avram, Yisrael, and Yaakov, but we would not have been redeemed. We were so low. We didn't even realize that we were so low. We didn't even realize the pain, the distance. And that's why it's Meduyuk in the Psukim that this Shibra Nefesh was hidden in us. Right? Vayayanchu, line 35. They groaned from the labor. And their cry went out to Hashem from the Avoda. They didn't cry out consciously that they would felt distant from Hashem. But it was physical labor, Rachmino Avoda, also Shavas Malokim from the Avoda. But they didn't feel that they were missing. But what does the next Pasuk say? What did Hashem hear? We cried out from the Avoda. But Hashem heard, Vayishmalem is not Kassam, Vayiskar, as Riso Yaakov. Why crying out from physical backbreaking labor does Hashem say, He remembers, He hears their Naka, and He remembers the bris. The bris is a spiritual reality. Because Hashem knew what was underneath. Because they didn't feel the Shibra Nefesh because they were so focused on the Shibra Guf. They couldn't, as he said, there was no time for it. And it was, it was not possible. But Hashem knew what was underneath. He doesn't quote it, but I think elsewhere the marshal is given. I think we mentioned it in the past. Sometimes, you know, when somebody um, has an operation and they have anesthesia, so they don't feel any pain. You don't feel the pain, you have anesthesia. Only once the anesthesia starts wearing off, then the pain starts starts coming. And yet one might start screaming when they have, it's, it's killing, it's killing. But that's a good sign when we start feeling something. If we wouldn't feel it, that means we will still be numb and we won't be back to ourselves. B'nai Yisrael were numb in Mitzrayim. They, they just, it wasn't even, it wasn't shy to start thinking about spirituality in the space that we, the place that we were. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu knew that. Hashem knew that we were anesthetized to spirituality. So that's why when we cried that it started hurting, He knew that there was, there was something deeper. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, the bottom line, Ra'o Ra'isi Yasani. It's a double, Ra'o Ra'isi, I, I doubly saw. I saw the Shiba Da'guf, but then I also realized that they weren't crying to me anything more than that. 
because they're Shibra Nefesh, they didn't even recognize. And then he quotes, this we quoted years ago, the beautiful diak of the Be'er Yosef, from Yosef Misalant. He says, if you look in our Pasuk, the Pasuk says in Vav, Hashem's going to take us out from Sivlos Mitzrayim. Sivlos is spelled Chaser Vav. But later on, Pasuk Zion, I am Hashem that takes you out from Sivlos Mitzrayim with a Vav, Malay. Same idea. We, Hashem heard us, our Sivlos, He only heard one aspect because that's all we recognized. That all, that's all we knew. But when it actually happens, He doubly redeems us because He recognizes it's a double Sheba, a double subjugation, and that is what we needed, and Hashem often knows what we need even more than, than we know ourselves. Okay. Moving right along. We get to the next section where we have the Yichus given of the first couple of Shvatim, and then we get to uh, Moshe Aaron. Here we have explicitly the names of Moshe's parents. Beforehand we didn't know. Beforehand it was just base Levi, and men from Beis Levi and the sister. So here it, all, it says it all, uh, the entire family. Amram takes his aunt, right, an illicit relationship after the Torah was given, an aunt and a nephew. A nephew was allowed to marry his niece, but an aunt cannot marry a nephew, but before Matan Torah. And they had Aaron and Moshe, and Amram lived for 137. And all of the yichus is given until finally the end of the section. Who Aaron Moshe Asher Amar Hashem Lahem Hotziyos Bnei Zom Eretz Mitzrayim Al Tzivosam. This is Moshe and Aaron. This is Aaron and Moshe that Hashem commanded them to tell take Bnei Yisrael out. Hema Medaber Malparo Melech Mitzrayim Hotziyos Bnei Zom Eretz Mitzrayim. They are the ones that spoke to Paro. Who Moshe Aaron? Rashi picks up on Pasuk Chavav Who Aaron and Moshe? Pasuk Chavzayin Who Moshe Aaron? What does Rashi say? Milamed, Sheshnehem, say, who Moshe Viaron, who Aaron and Moshe, let me find the line. So Rashi just quotes generally, sometimes Aaron's written first, sometimes Moshe's written first, they're shakal. Rashi does not focus though on these two psukim. Why in Pasichavav Dafka? Is Aaron first? Why in Pasach of Zion is Moshe first? What is each Pasach about? Aaron in Pasach of Av is put first when Hashem says to take B'nai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. Who would we think should be first in that context? Who's the one that helps Hashem do the Gula? Moshe. Interesting. Aaron's Dafka first in that one. And what's the next Pasach? They were the ones that spoke to Paro. Who was the Iker person speaking to Paro? Aaron. Aaron was Moshe's mouthpiece, as we learned last week. And in this process, Moshe's put first. So exactly the opposite of what we would have thought. At least you want to say they switch off. Sometimes Aaron's first, sometimes Moshe's first. At least put the right one first in context. When you're talking about the Goel, put Moshe first. When you're talking about speaking to Paro, put Aaron first. And it's exactly flipped. Rashi does not focus on this point. Rashi just says, in general. So if we look in the Yuni Parsha from Rav Rivlin, source number four. So he speaks about, we'll get to the answer to that question a little bit later in his, uh, in his piece. But first he speaks about, right, very little that we know in Torah Shebech We spoke about it last week, about Moshe Rabbeinu and why he was chosen. 
why he was chosen as the greatest leader of all time to help HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Help HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But he says if we think a little deeper about the episodes last week and this week, besides the three arguments that he breaks up at the beginning that we spoke about, he breaks up the three fights, Juju, Junanju, Nanju, Nanju. But let's continue going and realize the personality of Moshe Rabbeinu. Last week, what happens? Moshe Rabbeinu is bargaining. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. They don't deserve it. But then he says, line 11, Who am I? Who am I? Who am I that I should go to take B'nai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim? What does Hashem say to that question, to that rejection? Ki I'll be with you. V'zelach ha'os. And you, know, you want a proof that I'll be with you? Because 49 days after we leave, we're going to serve, they're going to serve me on this mountain. You want to know that I'm telling, that, that I'm, tell, I'm serious? You'll serve, you'll serve on this mountain. Let's think about that for a minute. If we thought of this question before. Moshe says, I don't want to go. I'm not worthy. And Hashem says, don't worry. The proof that you're worthy is going to be 49 days after they leave. And that'll be the proof. Moshe wants, wants a proof now. What, what does that mean? Hashem's like, okay, I'll prove it to you in a month from now. You know, I, I, want to, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Why do I don't want to go? I'll tell you in a couple weeks. What kind of answer is that? He wants, he wants cooperation right now, and he says, you'll get an answer, you know, later on. So Rashi already relates to this. Rashi says, really, you have to split up the Pasuk. Moshe says, why me? So Hashem doesn't answer that. Well, you're deserving because that later on. No. You say, who am I? Hashem says, it's not you, it's me. I'm going to be with you. And the second half of the Pasuk is about something else. What's chus to B'nai Yisrael have? They have this chus in the future. Al-Shem Ha'asid. But says Rav Rivlin, maybe there's another idea embedded in the Pasuk. Moshe says, I'm not worthy. Read the whole Pasuk as one idea. What does Hashem answer? Ze l'cha ha'os. The fact that you say, I don't want to, is exactly what I'm looking for. That's the sign. And guess what? You're going to serve Harsinai in a year plus. That's the same reason I picked Harsinai. As Chazal tell us in the first parak in Sota, the Anava of Harsinai, the Anava of Moshe Rabbeinu. Many Bali Musar. Moshe Kibbal Torah Misinai. What do you mean? Moshe Kibbal Torah from Hashem. Moshe Kibbal Torah? Why was Moshe Zochet to be the one to get the Torah? Misinai, he learned from Harsinai. In terms of how to... How to function in front of Hakadosh Baruch Hu and in front of man? The fact that you refused. You don't think you're right. That anava, that is, that's it. That's the roots of all midas tovos. There's a meiri I mentioned. Uh, yesterday, we have a, a new series that we started. Everybody's free to, free to join. Uh, Lumdus on the Daf. Besides the regular Daf Yomi, there's a, uh, which is all up, having a, a daily 20 minutes or so, a sheer topic related to the Daf. So yesterday we spoke about Gaiva. We spoke about Gaiva and Mechsi Kiyuhara. The Me'iri writes in Chibur HaTshuva that the root chait, that's Ma'akev Tshuva, and any spiritual growth is Gaiva. And the root Mida, that's the source of any spiritual growth, 
is Anava. And Moshe Rabbeinu, that's who he was. Ma'od, Ma'od, Anav Ma'od. And that story from last week's parsha is exactly what it says in the Torah. That's exactly why I want you. It's not two separate answers. You read one, read Pasik. Read the Pasik in one way. So that if we think a little deeper about last week's parsha, we realize Moshe Rabbeinu is Anava. But now it's this week's parsha too. There's a question that all the Mepharshim ask. All the Mepharshim ask. If we look and we continue here earlier, Pasik Yud Aleph and Yud Beis. Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Bo Davera Paro Melech Mitzrayim, Go tell Paro to send out the Jews. Faitavar Moshe Lefrei Hashem Leimar. Moshe says to Hashem, Hein B'nei Yisrael lo Shamu Eli. B'nei Yisrael didn't listen to me. Ve'ech Yishmeni Paro. How's Paro going to listen to me? Vanier Asvasayim. I am, can't speak properly. So all my first what kind of kavachomer was this? If B'nai Yisrael didn't listen, surely Paro didn't listen. But then we learned before that B'nai Yisrael had a reason they couldn't listen. Right? They were being subjugated. That's why they couldn't listen. Paro wasn't being subjugated. So what kind of kavachomer is that? So many answers given to that. So logically you should say the reason, if the reason that B'nai Yisrael didn't listen was like pastures, mikotza ruach, kasha, that the kavachomer doesn't make sense. It's not a kavachomer. That reason doesn't apply to paro. But says Rav Rivlin, look at the last three words of the Pasik. Moshe Rabbeinu does not think that he wasn't listened to because of mikotza ruach, kasha. He didn't blame them for his ineffectiveness. Moshe Rabbeinu looked inward. Moshe Rabbeinu says, if there's a problem here, it's with me. If B'nai Yisrael don't listen to me, and I have a speech def- in, uh, impediment, so surely Paru's not going to listen to me if I have this speech impediment. But Yisrael, we're, Jew, we're both Jews, and they're looking to get redeemed. So if, if the reason is what it says in the Pasuk, then the Kavachor makes perfect sense. B'nai Yisrael didn't listen to me, so surely Paru's not going to listen to me. But he takes the responsibility and that's also a reflection of Anava. Says Rav Rivlin, how many teachers out there or Rabbanim are out there that give a shear and not, nobody understands? And he says, oh, I can't believe them. Maybe it's about the rabbi. Maybe it's about the one giving over the information. Right? It's our job. It's the rabbi's job to be able to shulchan aruch. Right? What does Rashi quote at the beginning of Mishpatim? Shulchan aruch lefanav. Why does the Shulchan Aruch name his Sefer Shulchan Aruch? He wants it to be a set table. He wants it to be clear. The ultimate goal of a transmitter of information is that the person walks away with the information and with skills. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu looked inward. Line 21. Sometimes a teacher. Again, sometimes it's true. The Ram talks about this in Ilkhastama Torah. Sometimes there are lazy students. And a teacher has to try to bring them up and, you know, make sure they're working. But it could happen sometimes that it's not the student's fault. Could happen sometimes. Right, it's our job. Right, what does it say? She the end of Mesechus Yuma. We have to make Torah exciting. Rav Shechter likes to say, there's hidr mitzvah in all mitzvos, including giving a shear. You have to give a shear in a beautiful fashion. 
There has to be a sheer that people are excited about and amazed and inspired. Hidr mitzvah. That means organization. That means clarity. That means any way. If somebody makes up a sheet, clear sheet, whatever it is, that's not bitul Torah, that's part of the mitzvah. And that's exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu teaches us. He took the responsibility. So that's two stories that we don't usually think about that reflect Moshe Rabbeinu's personality. But now let's get back to our original question as he ends off with. Moshe teamed up with Aaron. Aaron also was like that. Obviously Moshe was the Anav. Mikal Adam. But who Moshe va'Aaron or Aaron and Moshe? What does it mean? Shkulam ke'echad, 37. Lo mechuvanim la'arachim matematiyim. It wasn't like they have, they're equal mathematically. Shekein shnei b'nei adam lo'olim shonim e'im Everybody's different. It means that they each their potential, they fulfill their potential in a, in a, in an equal fashion. But think about it. Aaron and Moshe, Moshe and Aaron, whenever they worked together, they gave the other one the credit. Because that's what they really believed. Just like Moshe took the responsibility when things didn't go right, Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron Akohen gave the other one the credit when things did go right. And that's why Badafka, who Moshe vi Aaron? Moshe is put first when they speak to Paro. Because even though Aaron really was the mouthpiece, Aaron's like, yeah, it was, it was all Moshe. And when Moshe, another way, when they took B'nai Yisrael out, Moshe gives Aaron the credit. So again, it's such a, it's a, it's a challenging midah. But we have to try to do our best to give other people credit. I might add this is crucial, crucial in a marriage to give the other spouse the credit. To give, and if each one gives the other one the credit, then, now there's nothing better than that, ultimate nesina, right? Not focusing on how much we do, but how much they do. And if each does that, so then, like Moshe and Aaron, like Moshe and Aaron, that relationship. Okay. A lot of different parts to that, but that's uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay. Zayin Chav Gimel. Zayin Chav Gimel, we get into the Makos. Here we go, the Maka of Dam. The Maka of Dam. Moshe Rabbeinu is 80 years old. Aaron Akohen is 83 years old. Miriam's 86. Hashem says to Moshe and Aaron, by Revi'i. I'm sorry, these are the Mofsim first. Then we have Dam. Go in the morning. He's going out to use the bathroom. Nobody should see. And everything's going to be done. Everything's going to be done. It's going to stink. Aaron, of course, did the Maka, Hakarasatov, Vayudam Khalaras Bisraim Waitsimuavanim. And they did it. Vayasu Kane Moshe Vyaron Gashem. Vayorim Bamata. Interesting. Again here. Interesting to think of, but go through each one. Moshe and Aaron did the Maka. What do you mean? Aaron did the Maka. Aaron hit. Not Moshe. And Dafkahir it says Moshe and Aaron. Like with that, like wow. Like, yeah, Moshe Moshe gave Aaron Aaron gave Moshe the credit, even though Aaron did the Misa. Yeah, but you gave me the stick. It was your presence here. However, Aaron thought. Amazing. All the water turned to blood, and all the fish died, and they couldn't. 
And the Khartoumim also did it. Paro's heart was hardened. But then we have another Pasik. Fayifin Paro. Fayobo Obeso. Paro turns, Pasach of Gimel, and goes to his house. And he did not put his heart on what just happened. What do you need to know that Paro went back to his house for? Fayifin Paro. What is the whole Pasuk telling me? We know before. What is Pasuk of Gimel teaching me? Paro turns, goes to his house, and he doesn't take anything, you know, uh, seriously. So if you look in the H. Tamid, recently got a set of H. Tamid from Rav Druk, Yerushalayim. What's the Hashivas? It's an unbelievable thought that teaches us about leadership. Paro leadership and Moshe leadership. And he bases it off of one line in the Meshachachma, which is based on earlier sources. The Meshachachma that he quotes says, Shebebeis paro lo sholto makas dam. Machma sheshile michirav lo moshe rabbeinam ashegid lo bebeso. Paro's house was not affected. His own personal house was not affected by dam because of everything he did for Moshe Rabbeinu, raising him all those years. Sheshile michirav lo moshe rabbeinu. So his house was not Affected by Dom. With that assumption, what happens here? Paro's entire kingdom was Dom. There was no water. It was all blood. There was nothing to drink. They didn't have anything. They water. What does the Torah tell us about Paro? Paro went into his house and said to himself, It's okay. Meaning what? Paro came into his house and says, Hey, I have water. Faucets work. What, everybody else in the country doesn't have? It's okay, I have. I'm good. Because Paro was happy once he realized that he had. It doesn't, doesn't matter what's going on outside. It's just, it's me. He walked into his house. He saw he had water. He had no worries. And Moshe Rabbeinu was exactly the opposite. Exactly the opposite. Moshe Rabbeinu grew up in the palace. He had everything. He goes outside and sees the Nishmitri. What should Moshe have done? Just walk back inside. I need this headache. I need this worry, this anxiety. Moshe Rabbeinu had everything, but everybody else didn't, and therefore I have to do something which even sacrificed everything I had. What does Rashi quote? He was margish. And that's a leader. And we all have to be leaders. Because sometimes we hear of it's Sarah. And we, we feel bad, but we don't feel as bad as we should. Not that we should feel just negative, bad, depressed, but feel the pain of a fellow Jew. Enough to motivate me to say an extra parak of Tehillim. Motivate me to do something for this person. Sometimes we feel like, you know, we feel something, so we hear of a, of a tsara. And, and we know certain people who know that family. Well, I don't know the family, so it doesn't bother me as much. 
No, that's paro. I'm good. I'm good. It doesn't affect me so much. No, we have to follow Moshe. We have to follow Moshe. If someone out there, it's Bessaris, right? I think I mentioned before, sorry, the Chavetz Chaim, the part of the Chirov was when traveling through Radin, and he passed by, he went to visit the Chavetz Chaim, so he knocks on the door, the, the Rebbetzin answers, where's the Chavetz Chaim? He's just in the back, he'll be out soon. He, she hears him crying and crying, he says, what's going on? He says, there's a woman in labor on the other side of town, so he's, he's davening for her. Wow, is it, who is it? A niece, a relative? He's like, we have no idea, we just heard there's a woman in labor. Because for the Chavetz Chaim, he was B'derech Moshe Rabbeinu. Doesn't matter about me. Obviously, the Ramban writes Guzma, and it's impossible to be mamish. Maybe the Chavetz Chaim reached that level, but for mortals, you know, it's impossible to mamish at the same, but at least to strive, at least to recognize the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu and Par. Parakas Pasuches. So we dam we discussed. Let's go to Tes Ches Shchin. How did Shechin occur? Boils. Again, Moshe to Moshe Take a whole handful. Throw it up. Take some dust, some the soot, and throw it up to the heavens in front of Paro. And the Avak will be over the whole land. So that already is a nace. Moshe throws up some malochafnechem, just two fistfuls, and it covers the entire land. That was a nace. And it was all over. It was all over, and that's what um, Rashi quotes. Rashi says. Moshe's comets held two fistfuls. And it went all over. What a little Nisim. Rav Yerucham adds on a couple of Nisim also in the beginning of source number nine. And he wonders, so why do we, we need all these little Nisim when we're talking about made the Mahom Mak is an ace. The whole, the whole Shechin is an ace. So why do we need all of these Nisim for relating to, relating to Shamayim? Sir, so the Rav Yerucham here in the Das Torah has a major thesis. Again, uh, we're not going to read all of it. But he says, what's the Tzorach for these Nisim? Or for Nisim in general? Line five. Ha'em the entire goal of this whole process, as the Ramban writes very famously in next week's parsha, is to recognize that Hashem's in charge of the world and Hashem's miraculous hand could be involved at any moment and even nature is based on the miraculous. That's the whole purpose. All the different Lashonos that we find in these parshios. That's his yisod that he's about to deepen and talk about. And to recognize and realize that the root reality of everything in the world, any of them, is a spiritual spark. That is the root of everything. 
Nothing is purely physical in the world. Every animal, every plant, every chair, everything goes down to spirituality. Is a reflection. The world isn't just what you see with your eyes. We see with our physical eyes. But what's the MS? It's the spiritual. It's the spiritual. It's the beginning. It's the root. There are just so many covers on in this world. Haruchni is line 12. But it's the root spiritual spark that keeps everything going. If, we, if that spark would be removed, so then the item, the physical item would fall away. And he gives a mushal. He gives a fascinating mushal. Line 16, 17. He says, take planet Earth. He says, take planet Earth. So, if you take planet Earth and you keep going, let's say, inside, keep going inside, keep going further in and further in, there are a lot of levels of dust, sand and dirt and all this other matter and other matter, and keep going and keep going and keep going, keep going till the middle, 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 middle. You keep going. And you keep breaking it down and you keep breaking it down into tiny, until you get to the tiny little belly, the midpoint. Well, is there a midpoint? Right? Let's get to the midpoint. But that could always infinitely be broken down more and broken down more into tiny, tiny, tiny. We, can't, we don't even have the words to express it. But really, you see the lavush, you see the outside, but you can keep going what it's made of and the parts that it's made of. He continues. What's holding it together? You'll never be able to come to an end of that process. To keep breaking it down in a tiny molecule, in a tiny atom. You'll never find the first item, the first chefsah. Asher thought, oh, this was first and everything came from that. Because it'll always keep you broken down. We just won't be able to see it with the naked eye, even with a microscope. But everything is, every single item in the world is made up of parts. The Shubat So, so what's holding it together? What's the beginning? The beginning is the spiritual beginning. The beginning is something that we can't ever get to because we're physical beings. And we can't visualize it. And we can't even describe it in words. Right? That's the, Ram, the Ramban in the beginning of Bereshit talks about it, the Koach Hiuli. The Ramban says, there was a Yeshmiyayin only at one point in history. Hashem created Yeshmiyayin. Some type of spiritual matter. From that matter, everything is Yeshmiyesh. From that matter, everything comes from that matter. But that's the spiritual matter and that's the real existence. The, re, the true reality in life in this world is the spiritual reality. We're just not used to it because we're not purely spiritual beings. But it's the Ruchnias, that's the key. Hine Habriya Kula Ruchnias. Kibachma Yasaras. Konin Shemayim Betchun. And he talks about this, and that's what keeps everything together. Turn the page. And that's what holds everything together. And therefore, he says, if you think about all of Teva, all of Teva root is Lamalamina Teva. It's not what we see. But it's what's behind spiritually what we see. 
And the goal of this whole period of the Makos was to teach this to everyone, to the Egyptians and to the Jews. And that's why even within the miracles, there were more miracles and more miracles to make sure we recognize that Teva and Me'alha Teva go hand in hand. And that is the Esod of all. And he says, if you think about it, on line 40 now, he talks about, of course, from the Chassid Yavetz, he says, we usually think of miracles and we're like, wow, how is that possible? The Chazal sometimes say, Hechzit muat es amaruba. Or for, let's, let's go in order. His order. He says on the bottom, he says, we have the idea of kvitzas haderech. We have that a few times. Kvitzas haderech, it went, it went quickly. So we try to like imagine, what exactly does that mean, kvitzas haderech? Does that mean that he flew? Does that mean that the world squeezed? And what about other people on the same road at the same time? What happened with them? And what about the sun? We have, we have all of these questions. But says Rav Yerucham, all of the questions are just based on our own logical Gashmi mentality. But really, it's not a kasha. It's not a kasha. Because the Kodesh Baruch who runs the world, Teva is really based on Mayala Teva, and he, we just have all these kashas because we try to understand, like Moshe Rabbeinu from the intellectual perspective as we started off. Or he quotes, right, sometimes a, a lot of people came, right, he says in the last source, now, now 11, Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Aaron gathered everybody to see the rock. How could two million people come together in front of one rock? Ki ruchni he says it's only a kasha because we only see the superficial top layer of creation. We see a dog as a dog. We don't see any spiritual matter in a dog or in a chair. When Adam Arisho named all of the items, he saw their spiritual essence. And he named it connected to their spiritual essence, not Dafka connected to what he saw on the surface. And that's why Lashana Kodesh is the ultimate, because that connects to the, to the root. But this is all why the Makos and the Nisim were so integral. Again, this is, it's really just an expansion of the Ramban at the end of next week's Parsha. But Yavirchim says it here on Shechin. Okay, two more points for the, uh, for the evening. There is a question that many deal with, but I don't think we have ever seen this answer before. Right, we have by Barad, when Moshe Rabbeinu warns everyone that Barad is going to happen. The Pasuk tells us, those amongst the servants of Paro that had some Yeras Hashem, they brought all of their cattle in. Inside. They don't want them to get killed by the Barad. And whoever did not care, left it outside. Left them outside. So ask the Olam. Ask everybody. There's already been six Makos. Moshe Rabbeinu has exactly predicted them. They came to fruition and all the terrible destruction that has come. And now Moshe says, there's going to be hail of fire tomorrow. There's not even a little bit of a maybe. Like, it won't hurt to put your animals inside. Like, you don't even think that there's a possibility it might happen. There are a few people. What kind of action does one have to be after six makos? And Moshe says, tomorrow there's going to be a seventh. 
And if your animals are outside, you better bring them in. How is that possible? That's super akshanis, kshayoref. So Rav Sarutskin here in the Zion Torah has two ideas. The first one is fascinating, psychologically. And we find this sometimes. It's very hard to, to fathom that they will leave their animals. Leave their animals. To let the Jews out, fine. But to take their animals inside? Not even so hard. Not even a little bit? Two answers. Line 12. They were so mushchus, they couldn't fathom that somebody would give them good advice. It's a Jew! They couldn't fathom it. That Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us something logical? Can't be. It can't be that he was telling us good advice. There must be some trick here. There must be some Jewish, you know, shtick. Right? There must be something. I'm just putting it inside. No. There must be something here. Such lack of emuna. It reminds me a little bit of the Gemara Me'ila Yud Zion, where there were all these three Xeris, and the Xeris of uh, no Mila, and no Shabbos, and no Mikvah. And one of the Jews, one of the Amorim, one of the Tanoim, infiltrated. And got in, got into the government, and convinced them. Well, you want the Jews to make a lot of money, or you want them to be poor? Poor! So why do you, why do you make them work seven days a week? They're making more money. Make them work six days a week. Like, okay, you're right, they got rid of Shabbos. You want them to be stronger? Weak, weak! So let them do bris milah, surgery. So he goes through all of them. And they, and then they found that he was Jewish. So what does the Gemara say? They put all the Xeris back. What did they put all the Xeris back for? He told them, he proved to them that it didn't make sense. Unbelievable. It's exactly this point. It's pure anti-Semitism. It's a Jew, he has that idea, it must not be good. Must not be good, number one. Number two, says of Saratska, and this one is similar to others. The Pasuk says, Hashem hardened their hearts. You're right, naturally, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been done. But Hashem hardened their hearts. He didn't harden their hearts so that they didn't have Bechira. How do you know that? Because there were some Egyptians that, that took the message. So you see from there, he says, by the way, that hardening a heart does not take away your Bechira. It just levels the playing field a little more. At this point, anybody in their right minds would have put their animals inside. And yet, they didn't because Hashem hardened their hearts and they didn't, they didn't do a little extra beyond. Okay, one final fascinating point. So we have towards the end of the parsha we have Barad, as we know. If we look closely at Barad, there's something that we might not always notice. I don't always notice. Pasach of Gimel. Moshe puts his hand to the Shemayim. Fashem Nasan. Doesn't just say Barad. Kolos Ubarad. Kolos. Vahi Barad. Vahish Bizlachab Docha Barad. Vahulu Vahulu. Vahyacha Barad Bacharach Bitzrayim. Only in Eretz Goshen not. And here Paro says, No! Hashem Atzadik. Paro can't take it. And the first one wonder, what, what happened with Barad? And what does Paro say? Hatiru el Hashem, virav mios kolos elokim ubarad. What's with the kolos? Right, Hashem put kolos and barad. It's just barad. Paro says, "Stop the kolos, stop the barad." What does Moshe do? Kitzesi asir. Okay, I'm going to go outside the city. Ha kolos yechdalun, vahabarad lo yia od. Three times. 
The Barat came. Parah says, what's with the Kolos? Get rid of him. And Moshe Davin said, the Kolos are gone. What's with the Kolos? In the Simon Labanim, says Rav Kashtiel, here in Source 13, the entire period of the Makos that we're in now, as we know, is a, is a punishment for the Egyptians, but it's also a hachana for Am Yisrael, for Maimon Arsinai. Right? This is the start of it. It's not coincidental. Ten Makos, ten Dibros. That's not a coincidence. There's an experience here that they're going through that's, that's laying the groundwork. So what's with the Kolos? He also says, by the frogs, you also have Kolos mentioned, right? The Kirkurim that they couldn't take. So the Makos are background. So what is it teaching us? Turning the page on the back. There were Kolos by Barad. Where else were there Kolos? Maimon Harsinai. Maimon Harsinai. Vayikolo suvrakim. Vekol shofar. Kola shofar. Vakam yinanenu bakol. What does kol mean? Kol from Shamayim means there's a higher power that we need to listen to. We need to hear the kolos men Shamayim to know who's in charge. That was the kolos by Maimon Harsinai. Those kolos taught us. No. Who's in charge? He introduced himself through Kolos. Both the Kolos in the Makos and in the Kolos of Maimon Harsinai. Makas Barad Let's think about this even a little deeper. It's unbelievable. Barad had Kolos and fire. Maimon Harsinai. Kolos and fire. One might say, well, Barad also had water in Mayim Elatora. So Harsinai also had Mayim. Why Dafka Barad? Okay, Kasha. You can only ask that Kasha if you think a different Maka should have had it. Okay, one Maka had a, had a parallel exactly because it's coming from Shamayim. And that's what Paro couldn't take. Get rid of the Kolos. I can't stand the Kolos. I can't accept that there's a power above me. Moshe Rabbeinu, I can't listen to the Kolos Menah Shamayim. And our job is to listen to those Kolos. And the frogs too, the call of the frogs, the Nisiris Nefesh the frogs had. But that's why Dafka by Barad. Again, each Maka had its own uniqueness. There's Arba, there's Barad. But Barad, the parallels to Barad, fascinating with the Maimed Harsinai, but it teaches us that we have to listen to the Kolos of Shemayim. Paro didn't want to, but he was getting the message. He was getting the message, and maybe the Kolos were also for Am Yisrael. It's, the Barad didn't go there didn't say the kolos, right? When it says closely, just looking at it now, he doesn't pick, mention this, but it says there were kolos who barad, kolos who barad, dava the kolos who barad, and then what does the Pesach say? Rak beres goshen and shasham b'nei Yisrael lo haya barad. doesn't say there was no kolos. Because maybe Hashem wanted them to hear the kolos. Just the barad didn't go there. But the kolos, the kolos went there. Recognize that this kol min hashamai. We should always hear the kolos min hashamayim and live our lives listening to those kolos. Okay, we'll stop here.